On this episode of Resi Week, we talk marketing certifications and how to stop offering annual support. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 327, bringing up the negative. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Chief, the global leader in commercial AV mounting solutions. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matty Scott, for avnation.tv. And this week, we are pleased to be joined by good friends. First, we have Mitchell Klein. He's the executive director of the Z-Wave Alliance. How are you doing, Mr. Klein? Hey, great to be here. Everything is kind of wonderful. It's springtime. The allergens are out. It's fabulous. <laughs> it is spring. It finally hit like above 70 today up here. Uh, next, we have Mr. Steve Greenblatt. He's the CEO of Control Concepts. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be here with you guys. It is, and yes. next we have Mr. Seth Johnson. He is the software development manager at Blackwire Design. How you doing, Seth? Doing well, doing well, man. It's great great to be with you guys today. Let's kick this off with a story that comes to us from CE Pro, Simple Ways to Market Your Cedia Certifications. Uh, this is by David Whitney, who is um, he's in charge of certifications for Cedia. Uh, but he goes through a, a lot of really good points talking about getting that initial certification, that CIT certification that was just released, uh, I believe, late last year or early this year. Uh, and then moving on to the uh, IST certification, et cetera. Uh, so he covers a couple things, specifically how to tell your certification story and covers a couple key aspects of marketing your CIT certification and uh, how to how to get that out there in front of people. Mitch, I, I want to start with you on this one. I am a I'm a big believer in getting people certified, getting the industry, getting the workforce to have some level of, and I'm going to tread a little lightly on this, um, non-manufactured training, because there are a lot of manufacturers that do a lot of really good training, but most of the time it's focused on their product and their process. It is not general knowledge. We're an industry that doesn't necessarily go to college, doesn't necessarily go to a trade school. A lot of us just fell into this and we just figured it out. How important is it to get a certification and then what do you do with it once you got it? Wow, wonderful questions. And first of all, let's not equate education. Yeah, right? Yeah, let's not necessarily equate uh, education with with certification. Um, One is required to get the other, but one is not required in order to get. In other words, you don't have to get education, and be trained in order to get, you know, to be able to do the work. So certification, you know, it, it keeps getting panned by many saying, hey, my customers never look for certification. If I put it on my truck, who cares? I'm spending money on my people. You know, what's the value in the certification? And if you look from a marketing perspective, and if that's your only point of view, then I'm with you on that that marketing it as this is something that's important and I, we put it on our proposals, I don't know that that's the payback. The real payback is making sure that your people are trained. 
And, uh, you know, how long have we said, you know, what happens if I train my people and they leave? What happens if I train, don't train my people and they stay? Well, you know, there's that aspect of it. And then from an individual perspective, so we're trying to draw in the youth, mm -hmm. right? Come in, get your certification. What that means is you now have an established base level of, of education. It's not necessarily full-blown training, but it's a good start. And it helps you to really progress through your career in terms of what are the milestones in order to get the education that you need to really do a pretty good job at your work, yeah. right? So anyway, am I a fan of certification? Yeah, well, it depends on what your motivation is. Um, not from a marketing perspective, no. So if you're not a fan of it from a marketing standpoint, which, which I fully understand and, and might even endorse, do you think that certifications are a necessary thing for the industry to continue to advance? There's no question about it. Absolutely. Because you need to have milestones if you want to go to trade schools, if you want to start building, uh, I'll use the term loosely, a legitimate you know, workforce, something where you can put some level of expectation in terms of the performance level. That's where the CIT, that's where the training and certification becomes important. So again, I'm not panning it. I'm just saying if all you're looking at is, hey, it's going to help me close more deals and close sales, then no, it won't. And that's all I'm really saying. I love it. Steve, I, I'm continually conflicted over this. Um, we were talking pre-show how uh, I, I'm a huge supporter of employees, people getting certified within the channel, getting some baseline, some milestone, some, some level set to know that you know what you're doing. You're not just making it up because um, we do kind of work in an industry to a degree where you can, you can do a lot with smoke and mirrors. I think it's really important, but I also, every time I bring that up, usually outside of this show, anytime I bring up certifications, all I get is what Mitch was saying. None of my customers know what it means. Nobody cares. There's no industry that supports it. Yada, 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 yada. Outside of our own industry, right? Um, you can't go into a, a commercial site and say, hey, I got a CIT, and they're going to go, Yay, you're a cable guy. Pull some data for us. How do we, is there a path to truly legitimize certifications within the residential community? You could argue that even in the commercial community, they're working at it. It's not there yet. It's on a lot of specs, right? Having a CTS in your company is on a ton of specs. Nobody checks those as a rule unless you're working for government. Is there a path forward for the residential industry to put a true value on certification? Uh, I think very much so. Uh, and, and I think it has to come from the industry organization, um, CEDIA being one and maybe others uh, that, that can join in on that. Because if you, if you look at it from the perspective of if you're going to bring your car to a mechanic, um, you want that mechanic to have some knowledge of how to fix your car. And the more exotic the car, the more specific you might need to know. Um, there, there's a little bit of a of a qualification there that somebody isn't uh, fly by night per se. Now, I'm not saying that you, you couldn't find a mechanic that could fix your car, but I'm just saying that you know you, you want to give somebody some so, some way of being able to to make a selection. 
but but more importantly, and and I th- mm-hmm. think this is where what Mitch was talking about, and, and you're also alluding to, is that you ha- it's what you do with the certification that's really what matters. And so you can have a certified team and not be a good business person, and that's really not, the certification isn't really going to do you very good. And mm-hmm. and I've seen this happen a lot um, coming from a programmer perspective. You could have certified programmers, but those programmers may not do good work because they're either misplaced in the type of project they're working on, or they may be, um, they, they just may, may not be sharp in keeping up certification and the knowledge that they have. But, you know, to, to, but to go back to, to your original question, I think that it has to be marketed by an organization that can stand behind the certification and say that this is important and why, why is it important? And, and if I could just add one more thing, I think that's in, that, you know, from a, from an individual perspective, certain people in the industry, it is more important for them to have a certification so that they can be taken uh, more seriously. And, and that comes up very mm-hmm. much so in, in the commercial side, but because it's, because the, the certification, the CTS, as you mentioned, is, is a lot more universally known. So, um, you know, I th- think that there's a lot of different ways to look at it, but in the end, what Mitch said is true. It, the certification doesn't justify that you're good at what you do. It just gives you that, that baseline yeah. qualification. And, 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 you know, what you were alluding to with the, with the CTS, right? That acceptance and that expectation for, for a CTS on the commercial side for a lot of commercial work, that's driven out of the architects. That's driven out of um, that side of the field a lot, right? That's that's not necessarily the the end user is saying, oh, you got to have a CTS or we're not going to work with you. Well, I think more and more on, on the commercial side, the what we call end users now, they're actually technology managers and they're and they come from the industry, mm-hmm. so so they do know. And I right. think it, I think it is more important, and they they are also um, they they feel they want to be treated like a colleague, and therefore they're also pursuing yeah. those same certifications. So in that regard, I think think that it is kind of important. I, but when it comes to putting it in a spec, I don't know that it really holds very much you know importance there. Seth, Steve brought up a really good point that you know. When, you, when you're looking for a mechanic, right? You're looking for that mechanic to have that paper or you expect that mechanic to have a paper that says, hey, I, I passed this GM or this Ferrari thing or whatever. I know with my mechanic, I've never once like looked at his wall of plaques and went, the guy that's changing the oil on my truck, I don't, his name's not up there. I just expect that they know what they're doing and they're certified and it's a good shop. So they're going to, do a good job. The flip side is the the electrical industry. Up here, and I'm only speaking for Ontario, but up here, if you are not a homeowner, you cannot touch anything to do with electrical unless you are a um, fully licensed and insured electrician. No one can touch electrical. You can't take, beyond taking a cover plate off, you can't touch it. Do we need to get to that point? Because I've argued for years that legislation is the only way to really ensure that the industry gets that, you know, you can't work on this unless you're certified with whatever certification it is. Is that, are, are we somewhere in the middle or do we need to go to the extreme? <laughs> well, you're asking Florida guy, right? Like, you know what we do down That's here? why. <laughs> 
<laughs> everything is optional, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the I, I I don't know about the regulation part as much because I, I think it was really really well pointed out. Like it doesn't matter what you have on the the wall. Uh, it, it matters what you know how to do. And and for most of my career, we did not. Well, I say not for most, but for part of my career, we didn't have a license. We weren't licensed to do like specific low voltage work in the state. However, we did do like service work and we cleaned up a whole lot of problems that came from licensed security guys mm -hmm. and licensed AV, uh, con uh, you know, um, companies that, that, you know, supposedly were the ones doing the job right because they had that license slapped on their car. It doesn't really matter much. Um, I think, I think what the, the, the independent certifications outside of licensing can give you are those, um, those continuing education credits and that kind of thing to make sure that you're staying on top of what you supposedly should be doing uh, and, 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 and doing them in the field, at least attempting to do them, or at least, you know, maybe implementing something new into your company that you haven't been doing before. Cause it was a good idea that you saw a training. I, I always, mm -hmm. I always had those experiences. Like I'd go in and see somebody talking about some inventory management thing and, and try and come back to the company and figure out how we could implement that into our process. Uh, or, you know, come uh, figure out how like we could do installs better based on, industry standards or how I could mark up my, my plans when I was doing sales stuff, um, where it was identifiable for people outside of my own company. So, um, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't think we need to, to go to the, like the full, uh, extreme that you, you have there for keeping everyone out of the AV business that doesn't have some kind of little title next to their name. Cause I, I don't think that's quite the right way to go. Um, but I, I do think it's, it's proper to keep in mind that, um, you know, it, Getting the certification, getting the, the little, you guys were talking about the mechanics here in, here in America, it's the ISE patch, you know, <laughs> slapping that on there mm -hmm. uh, and, and making sure that you, you, you see somebody that has um, an industry certification next to their name. I think it's a, it's a big deal to me, but I've been in the industry a long time. Um, I, I don't know outside of it is, but I, I think it kind of goes hand in hand with marketing from company or from the organizations like uh, Cedia and, and the commercial ones, Avexa or whatever, to make sure that though the, they are in front of the right people and eventually down in, in, you know, in front of the homeowners to make sure that everybody in the entire process knows that these certifications mean something, or at least they mean potentially mean something that you're working with a qualified company or person. Yeah. Uh, and they know what they're talking about. Hey, let's not, let's not confuse licensing with certification. Yeah. Two different things. Yeah, two yeah, different li things. Yeah. Yeah, licensing is usually about safety and life safety. And I'm not sure, but it's not likely that anyone's really ever died or become you know, deadly by putting in a low voltage system, but you never know. Um, but licensing and certification, two totally separate things. You can burn mm. down houses. I mean, I've, I've known that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I've tried unsuccessfully, so I guess so. Not, not you though, Seth, right? Not, not you. Guys. Not me. No, no, not no, yet. no. I've, I've heard of it of happening. Don't know where that would have happened. All right. Let's change topics for a second. This comes to us from residential systems and a good fan of the show, Mr. Henry Clifford. Stop offering annual support go through your rmr programs and delete the words annual renewal out of your documentation is the plea from mr clifford uh essentially what he's what he's alluding to go read the article as always he uh writes some some really effective things uh don't don't get a, a contract that you then have to follow up on and, and remind them hey by the way you're paying us a bunch of money uh and we need your credit card number right now uh 
get that on an auto renew. Steve, I I, I want to start with you on this one. <clears throat> Why do we make <laughs> these systems so hard on ourselves as, as an industry? Like, and I mean this with all due respect, the alarm guys have figured this out. And if you've met most of the alarm guys, how have we not figured this out? You set up an auto renew. They have to call to cancel and give you like the gyms figured this out. Have you met the people that run the gyms? Come on. Why do we keep making service contracts so stinking hard? Well, for, for the first part, it, you know, it's, it, I guess it's not a natural part of somebody's business model. A lot of times it's you know, a lot of, a lot of projects are thought of uh, as to what do I need to do to get done and, and then move on to the mm -hmm. next one. So that, that's part of, I think, where the, the trouble starts rather than looking at it as an ongoing relationship that we want to continue and cultivate and nurture. Um, so, so I think that that one part of it is a mindset change. But, but even in reading it, and I, I really actually got a lot out of that article as, as short and succinct as it was, just to think about what I could change in my business to think the, along those same lines. Because when you're mm -hmm. doing something monthly, you're charging less. It's a little bit easier pill to swallow. People tend to necessarily not even think about it when they make that choice. It's kind of like the subscriptions that we're all used to these days, all every single streaming service and so on. It, after a while, you... You, you don't realize how much you've built up and, and uh, you just they just keep coming in and, and you keep paying for them. And um, so, so I think that that's, you know, the, our, our, um, our lives are becoming more used to that and maybe that's one of the reasons for thinking of, of things differently. And, um, and, and I guess the annual agreement maybe was more of, of just a, an old traditional thing but but um, when you're talking, doing something monthly too, what I would also recommend is making sure that you're trying to do something to earn that monthly fee. And I think that's yet another reason to do, have that practice and stay in front of your client and uh, and continue to make sure that they're they're happy with you. But it also could result in more opportunities too, in, in speaking with them about their needs. Yeah, that's a good point, Seth. I. Again, I, I can't disagree with anything Henry's saying on this um, or really anything that Steve said on this. The the thing that always pops into my mind is when I see a an alarm contract or a gym membership contract, it is two pages of legal, like legal size paper, 0.6 font, double-sided, sign in four locations with all these terms and conditions. And then I see what the majority of integrators send out when they're trying to do some sort of RMR. And it's like a little paragraph at the end of their bill with no information, no legal jargon, if you will, um, no boilerplate. And then they wonder why it's a hard time and why they have a, have a tough time managing it. If you're going to get into RMR, do you not need to a get, get some boilerplate, but make sure that you're, just explaining it to your company or, or sorry, to your customers the same way again, like the gym membership is where I, you know, you sign up, this is going to run in perpetuity. It's going to repeat, it's going to auto bill. And uh, yeah, you're going to give us 30 days written notice or we're going to bill you. 
Yeah, it's a it's a tough ask. <laughs> and I mean, it, it, we, we all say that like sitting here going, oh, yeah, um, uh, let me take a step back. I can remember starting in my career in this industry and it, it was mostly moving from like, oh, yeah, I used to sell TVs at Circuit City. I can do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can hang a TV on a wall or at the time um, wheel in this giant box TV, you know, <laughs> um, th- but it, it, it wasn't like uh, I, I feel like most everybody in the industry comes to it. And I say the vast majority of the people I've met. So completely anecdotal here have come into this industry as um, a hobbyist or a very big enthusiast and said, I really like doing this. I really like making people happy. Uh, and they don't really think of the business side of it. And so they kind of, over time, <laughs> many employees later, get get slapped in the face here and said, well, this needs to be a real business. I need to have some kind of exit plan. I need to have some kind of you know plan for the future. And and we, as an industry, have kind of failed in, in that respect. Mm-hmm. Like looking across everybody I know, not, not everybody I know, but like most of the guys I know out there, one and two man shops, um, they're small enough where they, they're not really worried about that. So I think that's why we haven't seen them move out of the hobbyist slash pro enthusiast mindset into the business mindset. And it may just be that their mind's not set up for that anyway. Right. Um, This is, this is where we could have, you know, industry organizations uh, putting out recommended guidelines and, uh, boilerplate type things saying, you know, hire a lawyer, get them to review this, but this is what you should be signing on the everybody, bottom of every single contract. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly don't know if that exists, you know, in, in, in the industry, trade industry associations we have right now, but that would be a great place to start and then start implementing that or attempting to implement that into your business process. It's real hard to go from the guy who puts it, you know, two thumbs up and says, yeah, I can do that, no problem, to the guy who's sliding that, you know, uh, Mickey Mouse, you know, mouse print, like boilerplate, you know, three pages of legal stuff across the table and saying, yeah, I can be your friend, but I need you to sign here and yeah. pay me every month. Um, a, a lot of guys I know are, are against that for some reason, but I think later in their career, they realize uh, that they would rather um, be sleeping in on the weekends rather than having to rush out and, and fix some service issue that could have been avoided, you know, by some paperwork yeah. uh, so I, i've seen as the industry matures and as the people i know mature in their in their jobs i see them gravitating towards this type of uh this type of business plan but it, it's it's a long it's a long walk to get there yeah and and the majority of the people aren't doing it anyway so you're competing against guys who are you know in a white van with no stickers on it you know pulling up with a a bunch of video mounts and TVs in the back, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, it, it, it is tough. It definitely is tough. Mitch, do we leave way too much on the table because to Seth's point, the industry really is made up of, let's call it, and I'm using your words, Seth, pro enthusiasts. Me. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, well, I got a couple <laughs> of comments on that one. <laughs> You're welcome. First of all, the uh, the comparison with the security industry is not entirely an accurate comparison, right? The security industry's low cost gear, oftentimes the cost of the gear is supported by the monitoring contract. Mm-hmm. And so you're actually getting a monitoring contract. That's a, that's a tangible thing that a customer understands, you know, if something happens, you're going to know, let me know about it. You know, yeah. so monitoring is a thing, right? 
the typical AV or integrator doesn't have that thing, doesn't have that monitoring thing, at least yet. We can get to that. There are things that they could be doing mm -hmm. that would support monitoring, right, with terms of monitoring, uh, you know, your networks. But the other thing is to talk with a client and talk about a $20,000, $100,000, $200,000 system and then say, by the way, you're going to need maintenance on this thing and I'm going to have to come in there and do this tweak and you're going to call me when you need service. For some reason, the perception from the uh, integrators is that, oh, I don't want to go there. I don't want to create doubt in their mind that there's going to be problems with this. Okay. Well, there are better ways to handle it. You know, uh, there's certainly some companies that do that pretty well, but these are the things that pop in their mind. Like, I don't want to bring up the negatives in the conversation. I don't want to talk about how things could break. I don't want to talk about how you're going to need upgrades and going to need tweaks on your system, right? So again, it's not an entirely fair comparison. And now I forgot the question you asked me. He, he was trying to set you up to slam me for calling everybody enthusiasts instead of professionals. <laughs> Just Florida man says. <laughs> well, Florida man says you don't even need a contract, right? Because they're invalid anyway in, in Florida. Since you brought up the, the negative aspect, though, aren't we doing ourselves a, a, a disservice by not doing it? Like no one sells you a car, whether it's a cheap car or an incredibly expensive mm -hmm. car, and doesn't outlie, by the way, you will need an oil change. You will need your tires rotated. Right. We might throw that in for the first, you know, three years or a year, whatever. But you, you're going to need service. There's, there's an inroad now. Okay, okay, Matt. There's an inroad, and it's been available for several, for a number of years, which is, which is the network, right? So you may not want to talk about having to service your TV, your audio, your lighting system, what have you, but. Consumers will understand the challenges with the network, right? So there's an inroad already. We're going to monitor your network. We're going to be there for you. Here's your, here's your agreement. Simple, right? And if for some reason, if integrators haven't picked up on that, I, I'm baffled. I don't know why. All right. Let's leave it there, gentlemen. Thank you all for joining us. Seth, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Blackwire Design or all things Florida, where can they do that? Blackwire, Blackwire Design is not affiliated with Florida in any way, shape, or form other than... <laughs> Where I, where I sit most of the time. but <laughs> So yeah, Blackwire, uh, you can find out more about Blackwire over at uh, blackwiredesigns.com. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Mr. Greenblatt, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Control Concepts, where can they do that? Uh, you can reach me on social at Steve Greenblatt on most platforms. Um, Twitter and LinkedIn are probably the best ones. Control Concepts is found at controlconcepts.net. And I do have to say, uh, please find me here with uh, Uncle Richie on Estate of Control, the uh, AV Nation podcast about control programming and automation. Yeah, that one's a good one. Mr. Klein, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Z-Wave Alliance, where can they do that? Not sure they'd want to. Uh, but anyway, it's uh, <laughs> Mitch at zwavealliance.org. Or it's Mitchell underscore Klein. At, uh, that's my Twitter handle or something like that. <laughs> you search them. You'll find them. Uh, <laughs> thank you all for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt e. Scott and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.